At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Elkanen, Dennis Dick with you this morning. Joel is with us, but his camera is not working this morning, but he's here, I promise. Uh, on the show today, we just have to keep talking. What we've been talking about, the Bank of England is cutting interest rates. There is some uh, fiscal stimulus and some uh, tax relief being talked about, and none of it really matters, just more volatility related to the spread of Coronavirus, so we'll talk about that. Occidental was probably the big story yesterday, cutting their dividend by a lot. So we'll talk about the implications of that. We'll take some questions from our chat, which we uh, I don't feel like we've done a great job of doing the past couple of days. So I want to get to some more uh, questions from there today. Our guest today, Ryan Craver, he's a retail expert and the founder of Commerce Canal. He will break down the retail earnings for us at 8.35. And Joel, tell us what's happening here in the overnight session. Uh, you got it right, Spencer. Uh, we're in the red by 74 handles. Let's call it 73 and a half at 27.92 and a quarter. Uh, had a week open though, but we did clear that closing price at 29.65.75. Uh, love to see that. Love to see us go green on the session. Your pre-market low so far stands at 27.78. They took a couple pokes at that. I uh, have not been able to breach it. Um, got an interday low. I'm not going to give you that, folks. I think Dennis put it appropriately uh, last night. I mean, we do have a double bottom in here. You got to give uh, this market some room. And uh, you had your your uh, overnight low at 26.94.75 on uh, on Tuesday and Monday's low at 27.15. So. We'll round things off and call that double bottom at 2700 and uh, that's the level we need to hold in today's session. Uh, you have crude in the red by about a buck here at 33.36. Uh, gold hanging up here above uh, 1650, up six and a half dollars at 1666.70. Silver back above 17, not by much though. That's up a nickel at 17.005. 
and Bitcoin back under 8,000. Uh, it's the futures are down $180 at 7,815. Uh, let's bring in Triple D here. Triple D, how you doing this morning? It's trying to get off mute. I'm okay. I'm okay. It's been uh, it's been rough. Uh, my kid's not feeling well right now, so it's always scary. But um, he's obviously just got you know a flu bug here. I don't think he has COVID, but he's really feeling ill. So it's just been a rough night. Spencer gets sick continuously. There was uh, a couple of his friends have uh, one has croup right now. He's got kind of a little burky cough, so I tend to think it's croup or maybe a little touch of something with the flu but with all this stuff going around a kid gets the flu it's like oh you know you can't help but think bad things but anyways um you know we're gonna take him to the doctor today he's feeling he's feeling okay but it's high temperature it's and tough. cough and you know the flu symptoms there's the biggest problem with this thing you look at the flu symptoms and then you look at covid symptoms and you're like what's the difference <laughs> you know you're like trying to find okay well you know what's it there and there really isn't much there isn't hardly any difference at all when you go down the whole list. So every parent that, you know, gets a sick kid right now is probably feeling what I feel. It's scary. I mean, everybody's scared of this thing out there. Um, obviously, the majority of people do not have it. I, and I don't think my kid has COVID, but it's just scary. We've been talking about it for so long. And then your kid gets a 102 fever with a cough. And you're like, oh, boy, here we go. So I do believe, you know, there's somebody on CNBC just saying, and Nick said it yesterday, there could be potentially millions of people that have it. I be believe that there's hundreds of thousands of people that might have this in North America now. You know, we look at the caseload and we see, okay, we just had a thousand people overnight. But again, there's having problems still testing. There was somebody that tweeted in New York saying you can't get a test, you know, even if you, unless you've got history of somebody that's contained or contaminated or that has COVID. So it's so difficult. I don't know why, you know, they messed up the test, but we've talked about all that stuff. We've talked about COVID nonstop here. You know, I'd love to have a show where we don't talk about it, but how, how do you? Italy is just a mess right now. And you start doing the math and you start looking at it here and you start thinking two to three weeks, we could potentially be Italy. And their healthcare system, they were just saying on CNBC, is actually pretty good. And they're taxed. Um, you know, I was reading, you know, stuff on how their hospitals are right now. And apparently their hospitals are running at 200%. And they're not able to even help, you know, people who have other, you know, illnesses, serious illnesses. Um, they were saying people are getting delayed on treatments, even like in the case of a stroke, the treatment is delayed there right now to, to even treat stuff like that, because the hospitals are so taxed. So it's not that this thing is such a bad, bad bug. It's that it's so contagious, that it taxes the hell out of the healthcare system. And then they can't, you can't deal with it. So the people that actually do need critical care, you know, and, and in 10% of cases, they're saying that you do, it's hard to get it. So, I mean, they're saying in Windsor, where I live, they're saying there's 20 hospital beds, 20 ICU beds. It's a city of 300,000 people. So you start thinking if, you know, 1% of the population gets this thing, and if 10% of those, you know, need it, you're already way over that 20 hospital beds. The math just is not fun on this. And that's why the market continues to sell into any rally and can hold a rally. With that being said, me and you talked yesterday, Joel, and I know I've been talking for a couple minutes here, so I'll let you guys talk. S&P put in a perfect double bottom yesterday. If we were just talking technically and if we didn't have this whole COVID thing on, I'd say, you know, I'd be looking to buy the pullback here because in technical terms, there's a perfect double bottom in. But with so many bad headlines, you know, coming out of this from everywhere, it's hard to be a buyer. 
Yeah, and it's it's like it's so hard to be like you guys know my contrarian ways because you know contrarian contrarian you know you're you're always fading it but you know has that has the market you know fully discounted the impact I don't know you know the market is ahead you know it tries to yeah it tries to be ahead here and now what's Lisa that, saying you know let's and Joel's you know just for everybody knows so Joel. Joel's uh, wife is a doctor and obviously, you know, you're at ground zero, you're going to be seeing a lot of sick people on a regular basis. So what's she saying? Uh, (laughs) What's she saying? (laughs) Or you don't want to say what she's saying? Yeah, I'd I'd rather not. Okay, that's fine. Um, So let's just, uh, let's just talk markets then for a little bit here. What are you saying when you look at the charts? Let's ignore the story just for a minute and you know let's just look at the technicals here what are you saying you know when you look at spy uh spy or what are you saying in any charts i know you sound really down here today joe i'm trying to pick you up and we're all down this is just uh uh, we got the double bottom to hold i mean that's yeah i'm sorry uh we got the double bottom to hold we got to hold 2800 we're 90 handles away from that so (laughs) You know, it's it's hard to set up a risk reward ratio when you know when you if you want to risk not if you want to get long here you're risking ninety handles. We got to hold twenty eight hundred. On the upside, you know we got near three thousand yesterday. That's a weekly number. I'd love to see us get above three thousand, but I'd also just like to see it you know settle down. You know, my nine day average range here is one hundred and thirty point two five. That's not the recipe. I- I don't remember this happening, Joel, during the financial crisis, having a range that wide. Do you? Like 120. Like we had a lot of wicked days during the financial crisis, but I don't remember 120 points every single day. Maybe it was. And, you know, obviously we were at lower pricing points. Maybe you can't compare apples and oranges because S&P was trading back at 1,000 then. Yes. So so you got to look at that's like a 30 or 40 point range. So I guess we did have that on a percentage basis, but the swings have been absolutely incredible. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, also we talked about the, um, you know, the uh, the rollover. I think that that's creating some excessive, uh, you know, volatility in the market. I've talked about the dynamics of the uh, of the contracts rolling over, so that's creating some vacuums um, in the market. But holy, I mean, that you know what we did yesterday, you know, hundred and thirty point route. I mean, that's just. That's just not the recipe for a market going up. And, uh, you know, I hope I hope we can establish a trading range between, you know, 20, you know, 2,700 and, you know, and excuse me, 2,900. That's where we got up uh, yesterday. I said 3,000. We're not going to see that. Let's just, let's just set a trading range here between 27 and 2,900. Have a couple days you know, settling at 2,800, you know, that, that's what I'm looking for technically. It's really, you know, as far as making a market call, oil ain't helping things, no, you know, down a no, buck, you know, that, that, that's a, you know, that's a big concern here. Uh, the um, Saudis even up the ante in the battle overnight here. So Kuhn ain't helping things going back up and, and uh, you know, it's just, it's, I'm trying to find some positive things. It's just, it's can't hard. really, yeah. I mean, I just, yesterday's rally was positive, but again, that was what, what was really, and Spencer, I think you'd agree with me. Maybe we can get your thoughts here too. I mean, yesterday's rally was really 
because of what Trump was saying and saying he was going to help the cruise lines, help the airlines. I mean, that was what really kickstarted. Was it not Spencer? Right. Uh, Monday night. Right. Yeah. They, well, I mean, the, during the day, though, he, he was saying stuff, too, on Tuesday. So yesterday they had another. Yeah, they, yeah. they were talking again. Because if you look, after Trump was commenting, if you just look at the intraday action, you know, you had a wicked rally in Carnival. You had a wicked rally in all the cruise lines. Like, we're talking big, big numbers there. The airlines were rallying as well. Those are, are looking weak here a little bit again this morning. So giving some of that back, not giving it all back by any means. Right, right. So, so the headline, the headline yeah. yesterday, the headline yesterday was that there was bipartisan support. Like Pelosi met with who, whomever it was, uh, yeah. Mnuchin, I guess, and there was bipartisan support uh, for some sort of relief. The question is, will that help? Right, because it's 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 not a question like like pushing back. You know, the, the tax deadline. Uh, could save people money, but it doesn't mean that they're going to spend their money, right? So yeah. it, it, it's just a question of whether any, any sort of tax relief would, would actually help. But the, the headline of there being bipartisan support, that was the uh, catalyst for, for the rally in the afternoon yesterday. And, and there's going to be more of that every day, right? Today, we're, we're yes. at 3 o'clock, there's a meeting with Trump and, and the heads of, uh, of all the major banks. I imagine we'll, we'll, we'll hear some uh, news out of that. Uh, you know, shortly, or uh, if not near the close, uh, then then just after the close. Um, but there will be more of these types of meetings and statements made every day. It's just a question of will it actually do anything. And 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 to Joel's point, you know, the kind of rally that that it incited is not really what you want to what you want to see. I mean, this is what you do to help What are you going to do to help the uh, the cruise lines? I mean, what what the hell are you going to do? Are you going I, on? A I don't cruise? know. That's that's what he's they're saying. They're looking at a proposal from the cruise ships. They obviously probably want money. But what? What? Are, they probably what are, need temporary money to get through this. I mean, their their bookings are down substantially. I mean, they were talking. Yeah. How much were they saying they're down? I thought I thought I saw 35 percent on one statistic. And that's recent, but, yeah. So you know, it's substantially, substantially down. I mean, and you think of logically, they're they're not going up anytime soon. I mean. Who's booking a cruise right now? As soon as fear starts setting in. Like I said, I'm in Windsor, Ontario. You're in Detroit. We haven't really seen too much fear yet. We do have our first two confirmed cases in the Detroit area, though, last night. So that might start to, you know, get a little bit of the thoughts. It's the first two in Michigan, one in Wayne County, one in Oakland County. So, you know, now it is striking very close to home. I'm a border city. I'm literally a 20-minute drive from those counties or, or, from, or from Detroit, which is obviously we're, we're talking right here, right in the Detroit area. So, I mean, it is starting to strike close to home, but I went shopping yesterday and there's the only thing that's really is, um, you know, off the store shelves is the Lysol wipes. Can't get hand sanitizer. You can't get masks. You can't get Lysol wipes. Everything else is there still. So there's no, there's toilet papers everywhere. So there's in Windsor, there's not the fear there yet, but what happens in another week, what happens in another two weeks, you know, all of a sudden, you know, when you see fear starting hitting everywhere, even if, you know, and it looks like it's coming. I mean, from all the math, the math just says, you know, it's going to start spreading more. How much it spreads is still to be determined, but eventually it's going to strike close to home to, for everyone in North America. And that's when the fear strikes in those cities. And so the question is, do those people come in and say, well, I'm going to stock up with supplies, but I also want to sell my stocks. I mean, that's what we keep seeing. I think every night is people coming in and selling in every rally because, People are not only scared for their lives, they're scared for their financial portfolio as well. They see what's happening. I mean, like I said, what's ha happening in Italy, this is not a third world country. 
this is, you know, uh, it's incredible when you just see the stories coming out of there, how taxed the healthcare system is right now. Well, the country is shut down. The country is the country, shut down. The, yeah, the country is shut down. For, for, and they don't do that when you don't have to do something. I mean, it is reasonable to think that could potentially happen in North America. Italy is no more of a third world country than we are. And, you know, yes, they live a little bit closer to each other, maybe. Maybe we're more spread out, I mean, in some of the rural areas here. But at the same time, if the healthcare systems and the hospitals start getting stretched, what, else, what other choice do you have? than to just start saying, people, you have to stay home because we can't have any more people sick because there's no hospital beds. I mean, that's really the whole reasoning behind it. That was the whole reasoning behind, you know, for, for Italy as well. So what does that mean to the markets? You know, you can just keep analyzing. You just keep coming to the same conclusion as how do I come and start buying stocks and, you know, into the rallies? And I, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'd love to buy stocks. They're, they're cheap. Stocks are some of them, are, some, not all of them, but some of them are getting really cheap. But this thing is still in the early innings in North America. And that's why I don't want to be fully invested right now. Yeah, we also know, you know, bottom, I mean, the V bottom, those kind of formations, we've seen that in the past. And, uh, you know, very difficult. Um, you know, We haven't it, seen, it, you know, yeah. any type of a V or a hint of a V bottom here though. A V bottom usually get follow through on a rally the next day. Every single day that we get a rally, we're met with an equal sell-off. No, like the rallies haven't held for, you know, have we had really even two consecutive days where the rallies have held? Not really. And Not that, in the last week that's and a half. What's interesting is is there really there is no trend. It is it is totally back and forth. Whipsaw action. Whipsaw. Every day is whipsaw. You cannot get a feel. Well, and maybe, you know, you know, looking at me and Nick and looking at me and Sean, and, you know, obviously I've been one of the bears here for a long time, but, you know, there's two people arguing, you know, we're all educated, we've all been trading the markets for a while, that's what Sean was saying, and we can't come up with a, with a, you know, with a consensus opinion here. With some people who think, man, stocks are really cheap, this is just the flu, let's go buy stocks. And then you have other people that are looking and saying, no, this is probably not just the flu, this is serious, they're shutting down, you know, stadiums, not going to have you know, an audience for the, the democratic debate that's happening on March 15th, I believe it is. I mean, these are things we haven't seen the, happen. What we haven't talked about uh, yet on this show is, is the good news is that China seems like they're, they're, they're coming to the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Cases are slowing down in China. China seems like they're, they're, on, the back, they're on the back nine is what it seems like. And that's good news, but right. I also watched uh, Joe Rogan, uh, the experience there, and he oh, had um, uh, a doctor, and, and I forget you know, what the doctor's name, I was just watching that, but he was giving a point and saying the reason that they you know, are not getting cases now is because they're still under pretty much containment. He says when they start lifting that containment you know, and people start going out again, does it start spreading again? He thinks it does. So he thinks the only reason they're not getting cases is because nobody's getting out there and co-mingling yet. But he says once they all start co-mingling, well, no, they're start starting to, to. They're starting to. I mean, factories are coming back online. Sure, Spencer, but we got 14 to 21 days incubation period on this thing. So where are we in three weeks? Do they start getting cases again? Because okay. when you start bringing two people together on day one, not everybody's sick on day one all of a sudden. Yeah, it's, a yeah it, it's, you know, so where are we, you know, they just started coming back on in the last week. So where are we in another week and a half or two weeks? Do the numbers start to show up again? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I hope the, do the doctor is wrong. He thinks this is something that's going to stick around with us for the prolonged, for a prolonged period of time. 
that's all just scary, scary stuff to think about. And, you know, we're trying to put this in financial perspective for you. Little pop here uh, in the futures. I'm not It's probably sure. another headline. You know, like this is yep. all we have is headline after headline after headline. I don't know what the headline there is on this one, but. I, I, I'm looking in. I don't see anything, but we'll I'm see sure it in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, or, there, or there's just, yeah, there's definitely something that happened right there at 820. Anyway, my point being, it's just hard to really understand what is happening, let alone try to comprehend it from an investment standpoint. I can't understand it from, you know, from just a, a life perspective. You know, I can't envision. Can you envision like not leaving your home? Like if you're in Italy and you just lived your normal life your whole life and all of a sudden you're not allowed to leave your home. What does that look like? Like, what does that mean? Because this is on the table here. Don't kid yourself, North America. This is on the table. Like it's not, you know, in three weeks we could be Italy. It's possible. What does that look like? I, I don't know. It means a lot more video games and Netflix and streaming. But what does it look like from an investment standpoint? When people aren't allowed to leave their homes, are they coming and buying stocks? Well, I don't know. To, to me, the question has always been, uh, when will it, when or if will uh, the, that doesn't make sense. When will a fear overtake this buy the dip mentality that we've been in for the past decade, right? Because uh, it kind of has already because, you know, yes, the buy the dippers are still there, but they're being punished severely because every dip is, you know, then, you know, and we get a little rally afterwards. And if you get out on day one, if you're day trading, you're probably doing okay. But if you're holding for anything more than, you know, a couple of days, you know, buy the dip hasn't been working now. You know, we're now we're looking at the markets down 15 or 16% from the highs. But really when you put it in perspective, and if you think this thing is really going to get ugly, I mean, we're not that far off the all-time highs. I mean, really, go out to the monthlies. You know, you think stocks are cheap, but we're in the middle of like 2019. We're where we were seven months ago. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not like stocks are like, whole, it's not like the financial crisis where you had stocks trading, you know, like I was buying preferred stocks with yields of 40% on fairly good companies. I mean, you're not even close to being like, whoa, stocks are so cheap. They're not, they're not that cheap. I mean, you still got the S&P trading, what, 17 or 18 times earnings? I don't know where it got down to the financial crisis. Like obviously earnings imploded. So that was a different story too, but earnings are gonna implode here too when you start looking at it for the next quarter and the next quarter. So uh, it, stocks just seriously aren't that cheap. They're cheaper. They're cheaper than they were, but I wouldn't call them cheap. All right. Should we try and uh, yeah. do some well, earnings or some well, ratings no, there's no earnings. and stuff? Well, well I, I do want to get to the, the, the vaccine trade. Because yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's I, do that. That was surprising yesterday. I, I was surprised to see a number of those names, Gilead, Moderna, Innovio. And now they're all strong here this morning, but completely opposite of the market yesterday. I mean, if you put uh, Pulp Gilead here and just weekday, just in, in the face of an overall rally, Gilead just sort of never got going. I had this to buy in my long-term investment portfolio. I had an order to buy it. I believe at $69. And I obviously didn't put it out long enough. I thought I would have bought that yesterday and I looked and I did not get it. So I got to go look at my investment account a little bit closer. Maybe it probably expired maybe last week because I put that out there probably a couple of weeks ago and probably expired. So disappointed that I did not get Gilead. I've been saying it's one that I wanted. I had an order sitting out there waiting to get it at 69. I would have been already up obviously five points. So disappointed that I didn't get it. So you know what I think of Gilead. I like it. Um, I think it's the coronavirus, a coronavirus play. Um, they've obviously got some type of, you know, of uh, drug that seems to be doing something with it. 
we don't know if it's you know gonna cure all end all but it's maybe helping is what they're saying initially their one drug so yeah right now it's a little bit of a COVID play it's obviously not expensive either it's got a decent dividend um it's never been it's always been a cheap stock i mean it's had great support in the 60s so i think in the 60s this is still a good buy right i mean that you know from you know getting it uh done approved in the pipeline i mean there is there is a cycle i mean that uh, the, you know, that you have to follow. So yeah, for a longer term play, that's something that well, they have a current drug, Joel, that's working right now. They have an HIV drug that they are actually Correct. using. They've been using in China, they've been using, and this is why Gilead has been a COVID play here for a while, because they have a drug that is actually showing some signs of helping, not saying curing it, but helping it. And that's why, and I think, believe it's one of the only drugs that are actually being used right now to try to help this along. So you know, they're working, everybody's working on a vaccine and that's a different story. And then somebody was you know, saying that to me in the chat yesterday. Yes. You know, it's, they've got a current drug. So they're a little bit different animal here because they have something that's actually helping with people who actually have the illness right now. They're all working. Everybody's working on a vaccine. I mean, headline last night, again, Regeneron and Sanofi, they're trying to work on a, on a vaccine. That's why if you look Regeneron this morning, is trading up 11 bucks because we've got another headline that hey, they're trying to work on something here. There's a list of, you know, of COVID plays here and the drug ones have still held up. Ones like that make the face mask haven't held up that great. I mean, Lake is now going down APT, those things of all kinds. I think people are starting to realize that, you know, even though they make face masks and, you know, I don't think it's helping that much. First of all, they can only make so many and they've admitted to that. They said that we can only make so many. Right. We're way over capacity. We, we can't keep up with demand. So. Like who was it? Was it Lake that said they'd received a million, a million dollars in orders, and they were gonna, they were gonna uh, fulfill a third of that? I think it was Lake. So they just don't have the capacity to do they, it. They can't they can't do it? Yeah, they don't have the capacity to do it. So, uh, yeah, Gilead did have a bad day yesterday. Trading up. I'm not, up a I'm not sure food. why. What the headline was on that? But like I said, I wish I still had my buy order out there. Hopefully, somebody bought it because we were talking about this one on the show. Uh, did, did you maybe put it in last month, Dennis? And then maybe I think so. expired I think at it, the end of the month. Um, I think I probably just had it and it probably expired at the end of the week. Cause I think I put it in at the beginning of the month. I think I put it in about two weeks ago and I think it just probably expired. I probably didn't put the date line up. So lesson when you really want to stock, go, go far out on those buy orders. Cause, and this was an investment account. So th that's a different animal. My trading account, obviously I, I'm watching that daily. I don't log into my investment account every day. I don't look at it. I just put that order out there and I forgot about it, but obviously didn't go far enough on the expiration and just cost me a fill. And uh, Regeneron, you said was trading up uh, today. That, bucks on, yeah, man, that stock. Um, that's it's just... held up well because this is a COVID play. That's why. Yeah. Some of the biotech stocks have held up very well. If they've got something cooking for COVID, they've been holding them up pretty well. I mean, AbbVie's been the same thing. They've tried to get something cooking a little bit. It's held up very well. Some of your drug stocks have held up really well. Uh, let's see here. You're trading up 1084. I'll just give you guys uh, the pre-market high. Uh, a lot of times this is a, a very high-priced stock, so the levels probably are not as relevant as you have. But uh, you did spike up a couple times. Uh, the recent spike, uh, if you're looking for a potential target here on the upside, let me see my data window. Uh, in your last bracket, you hit 497. So, you know, you've backed off quite a bit from that area. 
uh, on the daily charts. If someone's someone's trying to wiggle out at 500 here. 500 is the exact all-time high that was made uh, last week, I believe, and that was made on Thursday, and then the next day for 96.99, and that uh, that pre-market high kind of in that area. So we'll see what happens with Regeneron today. The other plays here, Spencer, and like we said, there's a pile of them. One that got a mention yesterday, I believe, in the press conference after hours was Teladoc. We have talked about TDOC. This 120 level, it gave you a second shot to buy it there again. I played it once. I played it from 126 up to 139. Um, I've day traded a little bit. I did not rebuy it, though. wish I would have because this thing is 153 making new highs now. Obviously, this is we're talking about doctors that are um you know that you can get over the internet so yeah, i mean this right. thing sounds like a pretty good COVID play right now and the market is rewarding it for it continues to make new highs i don't follow the company from a fundamental basis obviously i, I it's fairly new i'm not even sure if they make money but you know it's not a concern here right now all it is a concern is that this looks like a alternative to going to the doctor's office and that's why the stock is catching a bit all right i don't know what that headline was that popped us up it, near it, what, three well, TDO, so what happened yesterday was in Pence's press conference, he, he actually called, talked up a couple companies in there. He called out a couple companies. I believe this one got a mention was Teladoc yeah, um, or talking cool. about online doctors, which is exactly what Teladoc is. And he also mentioned, I heard him mention lab, uh, laboratory uh, health LH, which is obviously uh, right. making the tests. We, and we, then we he also mentioned DGX. Yeah, we talked, and that, someone mentioned that in the chat, I think it was last week, DGX and LH, and they're, they've been mentioned here for several days now. But LH and DGX, to my knowledge, are the only two companies that do blood work <laughs> in this country, uh, Quest Diagnostics and LabCorp. So I'm sure there may be more, but those are the two that at least that are public that I, that I know of. I don't I don't like that as much of a play as I like the TDOC. I've said, you know, on this show that I like the TDOC. I played it once on a pullback here. As long as this thing's still going, I think TDOC, this could be a stock that could continue to go. I'm not buying it up here on a day it's up seven because, again, chasing stocks in this environment has been the play. It seems to always give you a second chance. But thing falls 10 bucks or 15 bucks might be an opportunity. I'd say as long as it's above 120, that's the key level. That 120 is just huge from a technical basis. And uh, and a number of other like going back to that list of coronavirus stocks. Yeah, weak. go. Ahead. We got like twenty names on it, and uh, a lot of them were weak yesterday. And some of them rallied, but a lot of them were weak. Uh, you know, uh, I was looking at. Uh, CO- uh, what about I and O? Well, I and oh, I and O. So this it, thing just blew up. Can I uh, can I tell you a quick story about that? Uh, yeah. So this is this is a lesson in uh, investing and being lucky. Okay, and I'm not sure if, if he'll be mad at me for telling the story, but I'll, I'll tell it anyway. Okay. Uh, so, so my dad uh, bought INO uh, a, a while ago, right? And okay. he, he texted me a couple days. Like as a COVID play or? No, 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 no. I just bought this. No, no, no. He texted me last week. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. And he says, uh, great news. Uh, I'm long INO. And then it said, uh, bad news. My break even is $11. <laughs> and I was like, what? What? Eleven dollars? And I, I put up the chart. Like, when? When the hell was it at eleven dollars? Bought this years ago. Year, years ago, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like five years ago. Yeah. And you know what? He got his money back. He got his. Did he sell <laughs> when he got up there? Yeah, he got. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he sold. He got his money back. So sometimes it's better to be lucky than right. 
I mean, he held on for a long time, and in some cases, you do get your money back on these things. He got things. lucky. He got lucky. I, I mean, we saw the same thing if you were doing Lake and you were playing L-A-K-E off of Ebola a number of years ago. Yeah. If you go and look out to the long-term charts, it got up in 2014. I believe that's the Ebola time. It got yep. up to 29.55, and then it's been down ever since. Well, you know what? Another health crisis and another bad bug, and boom, you could have got your money back close to it anyways, got up to 28. I know I was playing Lake, and obviously I was long it. I've sold all my Lake now. I don't have any left here now um, because I've seen what's happening here with these things. And it looks like, you know, the face masks are, for, you know, obviously are, are helpful. This isn't a cure, and this isn't something that they even have the capacity to maybe, you know, make a lot of money off of. It looks just like this trade's over. So the teledoxy That's good news. That's potentially good news, right? It is. It is. But is it over because the virus is over? Or is it over because people aren't that worried about, you know, if, um, buying masks you know that they can't get anyways i mean i, right. I don't know that bounce was temporary had uh, back near the right lows of the session it's been every, that's the story every bounce has been temporary when do the bounces stop being temporary that's the ultimate question yeah your cpi uh uh rises i mean you know i like i said you know other facts cpi these numbers that are coming out i mean they're reflective of the past and uh you know numbers coming out in the future are going to be much more like the unemployment data that we had from uh from that uh last week i mean it's you know it's right. going to be the numbers moving forward and so then the, net, the obvious question then is how far ahead is the market uh, to the numbers, because we know we're going to get bad numbers. Will the market react? Theoretically, the market's pricing in bad numbers already, but will the market react again when we get those bad numbers, when we get weaker, uh, a weaker jobs number and, and weak manufacturing and all those indicators that, that we watch on a monthly basis, and they will be weak for the next few months, you would assume, will the market react again to numbers that we already expect will, will be weak? That's another question that, that, that we don't have an answer for right now one of many unanswered questions in, in, in the market right now that's all of them and i mean people yeah. are giving us tickers to do technicals on stocks and i mean it's the same story for every stock really <laughs> that's what you makes know, it a, sto a stock is a stock right now i mean a lot of the charts look the same i mean yes the banks have been hit harder yes the oil stocks have been hit harder but i mean you just talked we talked about the double bottom spy well you have a double bottom in bank america same double bottom 22 bucks look at JP Morgan or Citigroup, you look at the banks, those two lows are very close to each other. So if you're just playing a pure on a technical basis, you get near those lows, you know, could you have a triple bottom in place? Potentially. But, you know, you take out those lows. And then so I would say if you're trading anything from the long side, you cannot see this market make new lows and continue to hold, um, you know, as investments, it's different. But if you got trades on, and we start taking out 273.45 SPY, and say, you go like, you got to give it some room because when we're moving 100 handles every day, but yeah, I would say below 270 SPY, it's hard to own stocks again. So you have a level to lean on now, a nice little double bottom. So if you want to go bottom fishing, you can just make sure you get out if we take out the lows as a trader. Yep. Bear markets happen and correlations go up. Stocks go down. They do. Correlations go up. And, and you know, and you're seeing this. I mean, XLU is completely decoupled from TLT now you know, to a certain extent, like, and not even to a certain extent it is. I mean, even gold stocks themselves have decoupled from gold to a certain extent, which is ridiculously weird. But in some instances, we've seen gold going higher and gold stocks actually not participating. Um, you know, if you look at gold stocks here this morning, which is weird too, gold is way up. But if you look at the gold stocks, like gold is up $2. 
Look at the gold stocks, though. A lot of them are actually not up very much here this morning. You got the GDX only trading up 0.1% right now, where gold's up 1.47%. In a normal day, gold stocks would be trading up 2-3% with a move like that in gold. You're not seeing it because when you know markets start to become this volatile and this concerning, a stock is a stock. And if people are raising cash or selling stocks across the board, so yes, you know, you can argue with me, yeah, Newmont's trading higher, but on a normal day, Newmont would be up a lot more and it's 0.87%, it's offered down to 48.69. Newmont, on a normal day when gold's up $2.27, Newmont would be up a couple of percent at least. And it's struggling to hold green. So it's a different trading environment right now. There are a couple of stocks that were up uh, in the face of uh, last the weakness in the last few days, and that they are Dollar Tree and Dollar General. And I want to get our, our get our guest thoughts on those. Ryan Craver is a retail expert and the founder of Commerce Canal. Ryan, good morning. Uh, what I, I wanted to start off with Dollar Tree and, and Dollar General here, and, and we saw those stocks uh, perform rel- relatively strong compared to the rest of the market. Uh, past week or so here. Can you talk us uh, through what's going on there? Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Um, Dollar Tree, Dollar General definitely plays on a slower economy, a tougher consumer. Um, If I was to pick between the two, I'd probably go Dollar Tree. Uh, They're setting themselves up for a bit more growth. They've got a better comp sale report uh, than Dollar General. Um, I think Everyone's a little hesitant to play retail because they believe that while there was the Corona pop with, with purchases and emergency purchases that they believe the overall consumer might pull back considerably. You don't go to work, you don't do a ton of shopping or you just do it online. Um, so I think, I think that's where we're seeing strength with Dollar Tree and Dollar General. What about Costco here? I mean, we saw that, that same thing happen with Costco. Yeah, Costco, Walmart, Target, all the big warehouse clubs um, slash mass retailers. I think Costco, the interesting thing with Costco is the sales numbers were unbelievable. So we got a little bit of a preview of week four of February from the last call from the CFO. Um, the, the question for me on Costco is, is it's not will it perform? It's going to continue to perform. It's doing very, very well as a retailer. The question is, is I'm willing Am I willing to pay 30 to 40, you know, forward earnings on a retailer that's above $300 now? Um, they're firing well in the U.S., they're firing well in Canada, and the limited international stores that they have outside of those two countries. But, you know, it's, it's a pretty pricey play. With that said, it's one of the few places that you can play in retail right now. So, Ryan, we've been talking about now being a good time to make your shopping list, and maybe not go to the store theoretically, uh, but make your list and figure out what you want to buy when, uh, when we do turn around here. And, and that's where I want to bring you on here because you can tell us, uh, coronavirus notwithstanding, which retailers have been performing and which haven't. And I pulled up a chart here that you've been kind enough to share with us of the Q4 sales results for much of the retail sector here. Uh, when this gets past us eventually, whenever that is, which retailers have been performing and which have not? Yeah, you definitely have to go on the value side. So the the far left, the Burlingtons, the Nordstrom Racks, the Rosses, the Saks Off Fifth, the TJ Maxx's, all those guys, they're selling goods at a considerable value to the consumer. So 
if you're looking at who's actually stealing market share from those terrible department stores in the middle that are the red, it's those guys. And then it's the far end of the chart, which is the Costco, the Costco Walmarts targets of the world. If I was to potentially pick up in retail, I'd probably pick a few names that aren't on this chart first and foremost, but if I was forced to pick on this chart, the guys that I'd be looking at would probably be TJ Maxx. And then if I really wanted to be in the department store space, the only one that seems like they may have bottomed, even though their numbers aren't very good, would be Nordstrom. Um, outside of this, you got to look at the guys who have traded at a premium and have been down on their luck more recently. So, you know, specialty-wise, a Lululemon, I might dabble a little bit there. If I look at you know, who is going to be driving the online sales. You may see someone like Shopify or stamps.com that might be intriguing because they're going to see the natural effect of more customers moving their shopping online. So here's a scary question for you, Ryan. Um, and I hate to almost hate to ask it, but uh, how well capitalized are these companies? JC Penny. As you can tell. Okay. JC Penny, notwithstanding. <laughs> you know, J.C. Penny, Macy's, Asina Group, um, those are probably the more scary ones at this point in time. Um, and then if you were to rank those three, Macy's is probably the, the strongest just because they do have the backing of their real estate. But J.C. Penny and Asina Group, I think it's I think it's tough, tough times. Nordstrom will be fine. Any of the off-price guys, the Burlingtons, the Rosses, the T.J. Maxx's, all those guys will be fine. And then if, if things get worse, you know, you may look at Dillard's as being one that's going to have, you know, some, some considerable issues as well. Is there any of these that you would go out and buy right now, or are you just kind of stick, going hands off? I, I definitely pick up some Lulu. Uh, some Lulu lemon is, is something that I would uh, pick up. Um, I did Why pick up some. Why is that? They just are a specialty retailer that continue to do really, really well. Um, you know, I, I don't foresee them having nearly as much difficulty as some of the other guys. Their digital offering is is very strong. Um, they they continue to move into additional markets, so the men's continues to fire, even though they were built up with the women's. Um, so I did buy some of that personally. I also picked up. Uh, some more Shopify. So Shopify is building all the various websites that customers are going direct to when they're avoiding the retailers. Um, and then I also picked up some stamps.com. So, you know, stamps had that crazy run and I was out of it. But then with this, this more recent decline again, um, I've, I've picked them up. So a lot of the weakness that I saw in names that was going to be built on strength of e-commerce I thought that it was it was worthwhile to uh, to to jump back in there. Um, if Costco, you know, remains above this thirty, I probably wouldn't go there. I just think that that's a little much for a warehouse club. Um, so I'm steering clear. Walmart's probably getting into a little bit better territory, but longer term, I'm not I'm not necessarily bullish on them. Um, you know, I think I think they've had the majority of the run that they're going to get until they truly, truly figure out their their e-commerce play. What, what about Amazon here? 
Yeah. So Amazon, um, you know, I'm, I've, I've been a long-term shareholder. I, I can't say anything about them in terms of their underlying business. I mean, you know, we represent a ton of brands selling on Amazon and they're continuing to, to do incredibly well. And their advertising continues to do incredibly well. I think everyone is fearful of AWS slowing, but law of larger numbers still growing at a 35% year over year clip is a fantastic business. Um, you know, I, I can't, I can't see how, um, they aren't a good long-term buy and they continue to be so. And that's how you're approaching all of these is just from the long-term time horizon. Yep, exactly. I see, I see a question about Adidas in the chat. I think the fear about Adidas and Nike um, and, and everyone around Adidas is that uh, a significant portion of their business is in China. So th there is definitely a, a big, big fear about that business. You look at Lulu's, you look at, at some of the other guys that are specialty, still a large percentage of their business falls within, you know, domestic U.S., Canada, et cetera. Yes, it is growing as a percentage of their overall sales, but their exposure to China is nowhere near the same size. Um, a lot of the news around Apple reopening their stores, Starbucks reopening some of their stores, Luckin Coffee opening some of their stores seems as though... Uh, China has obviously turned the corner, but you know a lot of the damage has probably been done because that time has has played through. Well, wouldn't I mean that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing if if China looks like that they are that the worst of it is behind them and they're coming back online here. Wouldn't exposure to China not necessarily be a bad thing? It it wouldn't be a bad thing, but keep in mind that portion of the quarter was already lost, right? So that that amount of sales, that amount of profitability. So it's going to naturally take down your, you know, your, your price to earnings, or excuse me, increase your price to earnings. If, if you lost those sales and those earnings, um, I just, I, I'm probably not too thrilled about Adidas at this point or Nike at this point. Uh, speaking of, you know, the e-commerce plays, have you looked at Alibaba or JD or, or any of those types of names? I mean, Alibaba, JD, all, all of those names, they have been um, pretty impressive. I mean, that drop, um, you know, in China stocks in general, and then that rebound, I mean, Baba. Uh, wow. I, I'm, I'm surprised. Here. Yeah. Yeah, it's held very, very well. So, um, you know, Baba still remains the top dog. It remains the Amazon of China. Um, Amazon's definitely shown that they, they can't do it. And JD's played the premium role. So if you're going to own names in e-commerce in China, I, you can't, you can't blush at Baba. It's pretty amazing. Still sitting above 200. So if, if, uh, JD and Baba are the, uh, cream of the crop, what are some other names that are maybe lesser well-known? Um, in, in China that I would play, I would probably stick to those two. I mean, there is some tertiary retailers but if you look at baba they've got not only in the international effect and they're they're selling to b2c so business to consumer but also b2b they're also the first destination that any brand will go to if they're gonna build a um online store in china so i think ikea was just the latest to announce uh yesterday or the day before um so you stick with them on the larger mega mega names and then jd 
JD has carved this niche where they are going on the premium side. So if you think of them in the department store space in the US, you know, they're like the Nordstrom of, of uh, e-commerce in, in China. What did you think of this uh, Simon Property Taubman deal? Uh, I mean, consolidation is necessary when people feel pain. I mean, that's, 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 that's the only thing that I can think of. I mean, uh, I didn't look into the deal very specifically to, to see, you know, whether it was worthwhile. Um, but I just, I, I can't see, I mean, I saw a stat this morning that, um, you know, a, a reporter from CNBC that I follow, but essentially 52% of, um, retail space now in the U S is based on services businesses. So if, if we think about all that retail space in the U S and it's, it's actually, um, you know, morphing from retail goods into gyms and movie theaters and things like that. And we think that there's enough services businesses that can absorb all that space props to Simon, but I just, I think we're overstored and that includes in the services businesses today. And then uh, do you follow any of the REITs that are tied to the retail space? I mean, I loosely follow um, s- some of the REITs like uh, SRG because it's tied to everything that Sears does. Uh-huh. So it's, it's really just repopulating what Lamper did in Sears um, <laughs> just in a different way. Um, but I, I'm, I definitely would not be bullish. I mean, I, I know I've probably sounded like a broken record on that, but I haven't been bullish in retail REITs for, I don't know, probably since we started talking. You know, I was at the mall on, a, what was it, Friday, Saturday? I don't, I don't remember. And I was, I was amazed at how many stores that I thought I assumed it had died were still in business. Stores like, uh, like PacSun and Forever 21. I thought they declared bankruptcy and they still had a store. I was sort of shocked at all these stores that I had assumed were dead were somehow still alive, but I guess, I guess not that much. I don't know. No, you're, I mean, you're, you're completely right. Um, what's amazing is, is that, uh, you know, when someone closes down a store, there is some level of brand equity uh, tied to that store. So you pointed out the big one, Forever 21. A lot of those stores were repurchased and the brand assets behind them were repurchased. Wow. Asina Group sold Dress Barn, but as part of that Dress Barn, they sold um, you know, the name and digital assets behind it. So dressbarn.com, all of that. And they're just repopulating, uh, charming Charlie's closed down and they resold that name. So as part of liquidation, generally you can see, um, some capital that comes their way for that brand equity. Yeah. All right. Ryan Craver is a retail expert. He's the founder of commerce canal. Ryan, thanks for the insights as always. And this will be uh, a sector to watch here. Well, I guess, they're all suckers to watch you going forward. But uh, thanks for the time, Ryan, and uh, talk to you again in a few weeks. Thank thanks, you, guys. Ryan. Have all a right. good day. All right. Uh, 8.51 here. I did want to get to Occidental Petroleum. We haven't talked about Oxy yet uh, this morning. They did cut their dividend yesterday uh, by a pretty substantial yeah. amount from $0.79 cents to $0.11. Cents. I was actually surprised it was that high. Uh, but 11 cents is the new quarterly dividend for Occidental Petroleum. 
can see the reaction on the chart. No uh, shock here. I mean, no. a 24% yield wasn't going to hold in this environment. So you knew this was coming eventually. Anybody who's buying it wasn't reading the tea leaves. I mean, this was just an epically bad purchase at a horrible time for them to go and buy Anadarko Petroleum. And that deal in itself is putting so much stress on this company that I'm not even sure they can survive. I hope they do. But the way the market is pricing, there's pricing that we're going to lose a lot of oil companies here and why they wanted to pay that kind of a premium, getting in a bidding war with Chevron for it. I mean, Chevron has been hit. Now they've all been hit hard, but Chevron's probably thanking their lucky stars. They didn't win that bidding war. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I mean, you know, I, for oil to recover, I, I just don't know what to say about these stocks. Uh, how, like, yeah, like what's the catalyst for us to all of a sudden, you know, we have talked about the move to electrification here forever on this show. And we have talked negatively about oil stocks forever on this show. Why am I going to change my opinion? Because it's oversold? Yeah, sure, they're oversold. They're oversold now. Uh, but, you know, does that make me come out and be a buyer naturally? No, because I just think we're in, in a natural move to cleaner energy and oil is dirty energy. And that's why I think this long term look, you know, I think is always on bounces. You've got to sell out of oil stocks. And, you know, that doesn't bode well for Canada either. Like I was looking at my long term portfolio and I got really got whacked on that oil. I was like, I don't even own any oil stocks. I'm like, how did I get hit so hard? But any Canadian ETF has a good chunk in oil too. So, and then the Canadian banks have exposure to oil companies. So those are getting hit as well. So if you invest in Canada, you pretty much are investing indirectly in oil somehow, unless you're just buying just pure Shopify. So, I mean, it's difficult and it's obviously stressful for, uh, you know, on a lot of different, you know, businesses there when you see oil in the gutter like this. But at the same time, I don't see it just imminently turning around. Maybe we bounce, maybe oil can get back up to 40 or 50, maybe eventually, but maybe not. And maybe we're going to take out those lows. And what was the low back in 2016 when we were really, that was kind of like the mini crisis back in 2016. Was it 26th? Joel? Yeah, I think I had that on uh, yesterday's sheet. Let me take a look. I mean, it's hard because, you know, you have the, the rollover, the contracts and everything. But uh, 202605, uh, that was your February 2016 low. We're just rolling over here in the markets. You got to think we've come this far. You you could test those lows. I would say if I was short and I'm not anymore, I'd maybe, you know, at those double bottoms, you start to look like potentially bringing it in. Maybe we triple bottom in that area, 273, we're talking on the SPY. But we've come so far back here now so quickly, so much momentum. Like, don't kid yourself. It could just slice right through it or maybe it bounces there again. You know, that's going to be the level of significance for today, though, is that low where the double bottom we made from the last two days on the SPY at 273.50 huge level unbelievable that we cannot hold yesterday's gain for even really a few hours because it started going down the and after our recession immediately last night and then after pence's press conference it just continued to leak because he didn't say anything you know that made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside you know he's talking about you know this thing spreading he's bringing on the experts and they're talking about the spread and they're talking about things that they're going to do but you know they were you know saying again you know this is not you know, we're in the very we're we're in the very early innings in North America in this thing. And that's the scary part. And that's why I don't wanna be buying stocks left and right right now, even though some of them are cheap. And we also learned a valuable lesson this morning. if you were coming in here thinking, Oh, Joe Biden is the odds on favorite now to win the nomination for the Democrats, uh, we rallied 
off of him uh, winning last week as yes. well. If you thought that was going to impact, uh, you know, today and be a catalyst, well, you're wrong. Uh, but that that tells us something going forward. Okay, that really doesn't matter, right? Nothing matters. Except Joe, Biden, Joe, right Biden, Joe Biden winning the nomination, the market does not seem to care about that. So the market now, doesn't care anything about the crowd. But now we know. Now yeah. we know. Right. It's a good point, Spencer. You know, we got the Biden pop and people would say, are we going to get another Biden pop? Are you kill you? I mean, I, Rock, I, I, Michigan. Thought, I thought we would. I thought we could get a Biden pop. I was, I'm wrong. I would have thought wrong. we got something. We got nothing. The market's just completely ignoring. I mean, Biden, you know, that was huge, huge win in Michigan there. Cleaned up last night. Cleaned up. And, you know, and, and I think unexpectedly, like to clean up like he did, like maybe, you know, some people are expecting to win, but to clean up like he did, he rocked it. So, yeah. you know, you start looking, and it looks like Biden, you know, is, is now taking a stranglehold here. He's the odds-on favorite, and if you thought that that wouldn't matter, well, at least now we know it doesn't matter. It, nothing it, matters it, except the bug right now. The virus matters. is scaring everyone. You're watching the headlines come from Italy, and it is just a mess. The media is talking nonstop about it. We are talking nonstop about it um, I mean, this because is be like it's a, for real. This is going to be one of those, like, generational events where everyone will remember it. It is. This is nine one one again. Like this is, you know, maybe you know, I'm scared, but it could be even more significant than that. I mean, in, ter- um, in terms of just the impact to, to to daily life, I mean, colleges are closing for the. Semester, it's unbelievable, right? I mean, countries are shut down. So, P, this is a thing that this is going to be a generational touchstone. It, it really is, Spencer. This is something they're going to look back 25 years from yes. now, and people are going to talk about this. Yes. What you're living right now, and that's why we're talking about it every day. And, you know, there's so many people that keep saying, stop fear-mongering. This is just the flu. These people are not reading what is happening in Italy. This is maybe, just, it is, maybe it is just the flu, but it spreads way faster. It, 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 it is. Maybe it is just the flu. You're right. It, but it, is, a signi- it is a flu, but it, it is a significantly bad flu. Yeah. And, you know, when you start doing the math and, you know, people are saying, you know, what are we worrying about? 60,000 people died from the flu last year. This thing's killed 25. What are you worrying about? You got to understand the math. 25,000 25, uh, in, in how many months? Two months? Three months? Well, 25 people, I'm saying, are only dead. Like Trump tweeting, you know, two days ago or whatever, only 22 people are dead. And, you know, we have 11,000 people dead from the normal flu this year. If this thing spreads like the normal flu, which it does, there is going to be a lot more deaths, a significant more than probably the seasonal flu. And that is what the market is scared about. It's scared about those unknowns. And it just cannot catch a bit because of it. You know, and we can argue, and like I was arguing with Nick Shaheen yesterday about the fatality rate. But regardless, the fatality rate is significant. Like even if you only put it up 0.1% or 0.2%, which, you know, right now 3.4% is what World Health Organization has it at. And we don't know, you know, we can look at the new, you know, we don't know the denominator. We don't know how many people are sick. That's a great argument on that other side. But again, what I've argued since the beginning here is that people aren't dying on day one. So the way they do the math is kind of weird. You know, you take your deaths divided by your caseload, but you really should look and take your deaths divided by your caseload from 20 days ago because it's taken two to three weeks at least to kill people. So that, you know, where were we, you know, when you go 25 deaths and you can't do math in the U.S. because the denominator is way, way higher. But, you know, you can look at it from, you know, maybe start looking at it from Iran or from Italy or from China. And China obviously is under different circumstances because they quarantined everybody. But... To, you know, and obviously they're doing that in Italy here now too, but it's very difficult to figure out the math and you can just do a rough estimate though. And you say, wow, this could get ugly. It has the potential to get very, very ugly. Yeah. 4,000 and change confirmed deaths 
uh, at the moment. We're four and a half thousand approximately. So, all right. Uh, I do want to wrap our show for the day. Thanks to our guest, Ryan Craver. Thanks to everyone in our chats. You can always give us a call at our number, 734-494-0246. Email us, premarket at benzinga.com. Please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.